We are in Ephesians. Uh, this series has been who we are and how we live in Christ. Uh, so today we are in Ephesians 6. Uh, we are in one of the most amazing, cherished, really signature places in the Bible. Uh, it is such an astounding section of scripture where the Apostle Paul is talking to us about the armor of God. So he has given us kind of a world cosmic perspective, recognizing in verse 12 that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and authorities and evil in the world. And if we believe that, if we put that into practice, that our, our lives are encouraged with this uh, biblical view of Paul's perspective of helping us and probably looking at a Roman soldier, um, very possibly even chained to him and giving us the necessary resources to help us to win this battle, this war, spiritual war that we are in uh, with, with the enemy. So how, how do we face this everyday battle uh, that we have in the world. Paul has been talking to the Ephesians and to us about schemes of Satan, the battle that we're in, that many times that we are unaware of. So how do, how do we deal with the battles and the struggles uh, that are going on for us? Um, so in a prison cell, chained to a Roman soldier, riding with one hand and maybe chained with the other, how could he picture for us uh, the victory that has happened in our lives through Christ? He uses this Roman soldier and he puts out and shows some things that were victorious for him. It's really a common picture. You know, if you're going to win at anything, you got to have the right uniform on, right? You know, if you can imagine a basketball game going on when they're wearing scuba gear, that would not go over very well, right? They would barely be able to get up and down the court. Or somebody just trying to, to win a swim, like a 100-meter meter freestyle in a football uniform. They sink right to the bottom, right? I know I would. Uh, they had the, the wrong apparel. Uh, what's the right thing for us to be wearing in this battle in the Christian life. The Bible says, if you're going to win the battle, you must wear the armor of God. Not your armor, not armor from someone else, not armor from your mother or your grandmother or your pastor or somebody that led you to Christ. God's armor for us. Here's the scripture. The scripture says, therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So he's telling us here that there are uh, pieces of this armor. Now, 
we're going to mention four today in this scripture, but there are three other items that we want to look at or components of the armor of God. Uh, you know, I didn't want to take for granted that you know all of these, that you have all these memorized. Um, you know, sometimes we use language in the church, and I think sometimes people that don't uh, haven't really been around the church, they wonder what we're talking about. Uh, you know, so it's important that we, that we get the language. And so what he's talking about here is these seven different items. They are the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, and prayer. So he's focused on six different pieces that this Roman soldier would have been wearing and using them to help us. And then he adds the importance of prayer as, as number seven. So he says that we must put on the armor of God. Put it on, wear it, make it a part of our walk with him. And so he has, he has an idea. He's not really just talking about you thinking about a belt or a breastplate or shoes. He's talking about helping us to think through these incredible truths, the word, the belt of truth, of righteousness, of peace, faith, salvation, the sword of the spirit uh, as, a, as a weapon for us and as prayer. So here's the key point. It's not enough to know about the armor of God. I don't know what you know about the armor of God. I hope you know a little more when you leave this room or after you've watched this service today. But we, it's not what we know about the armor of God. We must choose to put it on. We must put it on. Armor that's back at home or back at the barracks would do no good for the soldier. You have to put it on. And you have to have it on and with you when you're in uh, the battle. Uh, a couple different words he used here. First of all, the word therefore. That's the first word of verse 13. Therefore. Therefore always rem reminds us to look back. What he was saying there was remember the mindset that we talked about last week. What is your mindset about the battles that you deal with? What is your mindset when it comes to the armor of God and the battles that we find ourselves in? He's encouraging you to make sure that your mindset is right. And then he, several different times in these scriptures this week and next week, he talks about this idea of standing, standing firm. This is our goal. This is the, the, the plan to settle our foundation, to establish our footing, to know that we have the armor. See, all of this is really a strategy from God a strategy for how we are to live out our life in the midst of the battles that we face. So, um, you know, he wants you to have a strategy. Now, you, you know about strategies. Strategies are like um, when, you, when, you go on a, when you go on a diet. You got to have a strategy, right? Uh, you, you don't, you know, just, uh, you know, it doesn't work so well just to say, okay, I want to do it. You know, just, you just kind of, kind of grit your teeth and try to do it and then starve yourself. No, the best way to, to get healthy is to have a plan, to have a strategy. How am I going to eat? What am I going to do? 
Who am I going to quit hanging out with? Who am I going to, you know, uh, where am I going to not go anymore? And where am I going to cook from home? You know, whatever our plan is, you kind of write out, you ever done that? You kind of just write out your strategy. You got these nine things. Okay, this is, this is it. I'm going to do it, right? Uh, we, we eat strategy. You know, if you're going to get out of debt, it takes a strategy. It just happened. You, you gotta have you gotta have some kind of plan. This is what I'm gonna do. This is how I'm gonna pay this off. This is what I'm gonna save. You know, you have a strategy. When you're gonna deal with the enemy and his battles against you, you better have a strategy. You know, you're not gonna just walk along free loafing in this life and just kind of going on doing whatever you want. Everything's gonna turn out fine. No, you gotta trust God. You got to work with the resources that he has given uh, to us. And that's what this is. This is a strategy. This is a recognition of how God wants to help you in your battles as he walks with you. And I, I noticed that some people think that, you know, they've made some difficult choices. Things haven't gone very well. Maybe you got yourself in a big mess and now you think, uh, well, what difference does it make? You know, I can't, I can't fix anything now. Yes, you can. You have resources from God. You could just put a stop sign right in the ground and say, I'm not going that way anymore. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to walk in his path. He is providing for us strategy and resources to be able to live out. This is such an incredible uh, place of scripture for us to figure out how am I going to live my life? How am I going to deal with these struggles I'm pretty sure you oh, all look good. You dressed up real nice. But the truth is, there's something bugging you. There's something bothering you. You drove over here with it. You kind of tucked it away. Nobody would see. But you need God's help to face the battles that you're dealing with. So why, why is this armor so important? It's important because we recognize that battles are guaranteed, right? Battles are guaranteed. That you may be able to stand when stand your ground when the day of evil comes. We live in an evil world. We face temptations. Uh, we take that phrase, you know, that phrase, some people might say that phrase means like in the day of evil, someday coming out there in the future. No, he's talking about right now. When the enemy, you know, the enemy is out to get you. The enemy doesn't want you to be a faithful woman of God, a faithful man of God. He wants to come, and he comes to you especially when it's hard, when things are caving in, when it doesn't seem like things are quite working, because battles are guaranteed. We all face them. Jesus faced battles when he was here. Battles for all of us are guaranteed. However, victory is possible. Victory is possible. You know, the kind of the definition in this section of scripture of victory is standing to the end, standing to the end. You know, we're not running a 100 meter dash in this life. You don't run just for a little while and you win a battle and you get a medal and then you parade around like you got it all figured out. Nope. This is a marathon. We're in for the long haul. It's a long run. You know, I, w I was with some, with some people online yesterday, and he was telling me that uh, one of the churches that we're connected with, a church in Ottawa, uh, they, were, they had a big group that was participating yesterday in the Chicago Marathon. And uh, I said, why aren't you out there running with them? He said, oh, man, I can't. 
Uh, but he said, I sure was amazed by those guys. 26 miles. You know what? I'm sure somebody won that race, like was the first one to get there. But who cares about that? I Man, just finishing that thing would be victory, right? Just accomplishing that. We are in a marathon. And the definition of victory is getting to the end, standing at the end. It's important for me personally. I'm sure it is for you. One of my goals is not just to have started well, but to finish well. That's the goal that all of us should have, to finish well in our life. There's a lot of Christians who might start out well, but kind of have wandered or drifted. You know, there's people that have been walking with God pre-pandemic that have really been struggling to stay connected to God. My prayer is they'll get back with him, come back close to him. Uh, you know, there's a lot of excitement when you first come to know Christ, but the victory is won. The battle is put on so that we can, I mean, the armor is put on so that we can finish well. So how's that going to happen? We're going to face battles. We're going to take hits and we need uh, the armor of God. So we're going to look at four today. Here's the questions. Four questions. Number one is what is it? How does it protect me? And how do I put it on? What is it? These, these different pieces of the armor. How does it protect me? And how do I put it on? Armor piece number one. Armor piece number one is in verse 14. And he says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The belt of truth. So the focus here is on truth. How does truth have an impact on helping me with my battles? You know, there's an amazing story in the Bible. Jesus is, it's right before he was crucified and he's with the political leader in the area and his name is Pilate. And they're having a conversation. And Pilate is trying to figure out how not to condemn Jesus. And so he starts to talk to Jesus about him being a king and about religious things. And in the middle of the conversation, Pilate flippantly and sarcastically says to Jesus, what is truth? Pretty much that was the end of the conversation. You know, I wonder what would have happened if Pilate had been serious about truth. If he had looked at Jesus and said, I've seen something in you that I've never seen before. Can you tell me what truth is? I think he'd have had maybe gotten a sincere answer like Thomas did when Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So what is truth? Truth is what God says. Truth is what God says. Lies are what Satan says. So whatever God has said about anyone or any subject, and there's a lot of subjects that he has things to say about in his word, you can count on it that that is truth. That is truth. Truth is what God says. Now, the world says that truth is relative. Now, what relative means is that something is, is figured out on the basis of the circumstances that I'm looking at. So I look at the circumstances and I decide what is truth in that situation. Truth is not relative. Truth is revealed. God sits above all of our circumstances and he says, here's the truth. Here's how to live your life. Here's how you will get through life. 
You know, what, what can seem true to me at one point, if I don't check it against what God has to say, I may have the wrong perspective. It's like driving along the road. It's a beautiful day. You're driving out and you're noticing this beautiful drive that you're having. And as you're coming up and you're going down the road, you see this sign and the sign says, bridge out ahead, bridge out ahead. Well, what are you going to do? Well, if you decide that truth is relative and I'm just going to do whatever I want, you know, I'm having a beautiful day. I'm having a nice drive. I'm not going to let that bother me. You're going to go off and you're going to go off the edge of the bridge out into the water. You're going to act in a, a foolish way instead of listening to the revealed truth. Somebody revealed truth to you that the bridge is out. God does exactly that for us. He does that throughout history. We're, we're going along and we're thinking, well, this would be a great decision. This is what I think I'm going to do. This feels so good. I think I will do this. He says, wait, 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 wait. Bridge is out. Bridge out ahead. If you're going down that road, if you're going that direction, there's going to be a time when you meet up with some real difficulties and disaster in your life. So the simplest definition for truth is what God says. So where do you find what God says? Obviously, the Bible. Satan is the father of lies, and Jesus is the way and the truth. God is the father of all truth. Truth is what God says. So how does truth protect us in this battle in the enemy against us? Uh, there's probably several ways. I'll mention just a couple of things. One is um, in dealing with temptation. Truth keeps us from being tripped up by our temptations. You know, in the this image of a Roman soldier, you know, back in the day of, of Jesus' time, and maybe you've noticed this in Passion Play, but um, the guys wear dresses, right? We wear these big old long tunics. You know, one of the things that I've seen, and maybe you've noticed this, ladies, it is really difficult to run in a long dress, right? I mean, that thing's going to get around your feet and your ankles, and you're going to go down. Uh, you cannot run in that long thing. Well, that's uh, when they wore those tunics, what they would do is they had this belt that would be around. And so they would kind of cinch up that, that tunic and stick it into the belt there so that they were able to be involved in, in the battle, that it wouldn't get them all tripped up. Listen to these words, Hebrews 12:1. Let us strip off everything that slows us down or holds us back, and especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. What a, what a picture that is. Uh, you, you can know God's word. I mean, you can go to church. You can have a daily quiet time with God, and Satan will still attempt to, to put temptations in your life to cause you to trip up. What's the answer? The answer is the truth. Temptation is always a lie. Satan says, this is what you're going to do. This is what you should be involved in. This is what's going to help you. And recon you recognize that it's not going to fulfill your needs. You remember when Jesus one time was in the desert and the devil came to him and said, if you do this, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. He couldn't promise that. He didn't own all the, he didn't own any kingdoms. It was a lie. And he put that temptation out there. The truth 
helps us to see temptations for what they really are in our lives. Also, another way, how do, how do you buckle on this truth? He says, buckle it on. We choose to act in love toward others. So we're not only just recognizing his help in temptations, but how we deal with others. Listen to this verse, 1 John 3, 18, 19. We should love people not only with words and talk, but by our actions and true caring. This is the way we know that we belong to the way of truth. To know that I'm walking in the truth, the Bible says, there's action that I'm taking that brings confidence to me. I'm acting in a way that helps me to know how I treat other people. Do you notice the Bible is full of checking up on you about how you're treating others, how you're thinking about other people? You know why? All those people belong to God. All those people were created by God. Jesus gave his life for all of those people. And so he's recognizing that he wants you to live in the truth. And part of that is recognizing how you're going to treat, how you're going to love others. So this first part of the battle armor of a Christian is in facing this battle against Satan is truth. Is it based on truth? Is my decisions being based on truth? Am I wearing the belt of truth? Armor piece number two. Number two is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. You know, this word righteousness is one of, it's kind of a church word, right? You know, don't you hear, sometimes you hear words in church and you think, what exactly does that mean? Uh, that's the way sometimes I think people feel about a word like righteousness. I mean, what do you think of when you think about righteousness? Do you think about negative or you think about it positively? I think a lot of people think negatively about righteousness because they think that's people, that people who are righteous are people who look down their nose at other people, think that they're better than them. I mean, a lot of people's picture of righteousness is like the strict librarian, right? If you break one little rule, I mean, if you're not quiet, if you don't do everything you're supposed to do, I'm going to get you. You're going to be in big trouble, buddy. That's not righteousness. Righteousness is a winsome characteristic of the believer. Righteousness is not found in looking down on others. Righteousness is found by looking up to God. Praise his name. One time, Jesus was with the Pharisees, who were like the religious leaders of his day, who thought they were so righteous and they always looked down on others. He told them this story about two men who came to church to pray. And one man was praying, and he said, God, thank you. I'm not like that man over there, the sinner. The other man, he prayed, please be merciful to me, God. I'm a sinner, and I need you. Jesus asked them, which one of them do you think was heard by God? He was trying to help those men recognize that you, can get, uh, you can't get righteous by looking down at somebody else just thinking that you're, you're doing better. A lot of people think they can put people down. It'll lift them up and make them righteous. God doesn't do comparison righteousness. Righteousness is not earned by us. Righteousness is not earned. Righteousness is credited to us. So it's not like a a gamble. It's not like a luck thing. It's God's choice to credit it to us. Yeah, you get that, right? It's like opening an account. 
and somebody's putting some resources into that account and you're drawing on that account so that you can take care of the burdens and the needs and the battles that you're in. Genesis 15, 6. Abraham was one of the first people to have faith. And the Bible says, Abraham believed the Lord and God credited it to him as righteousness. God credited that belief that Abraham trusted in him and it, it was righteousness to him. God credited that belief. Romans 3.22 says, This righteousness from God comes from faith in Jesus to all who believe. So how do you, how do you go about opening up a credit account? You believe in Jesus. You put your trust in him. And then the Bible tells us exactly how that, how that happens. God made Jesus, him who had no sin, to be sin for us. That's what happened on the cross. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God credited to us this righteousness when we put our trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross. So what is it? Righteousness is being right with God. The Bible says righteousness is being right with others, taking the, that, kind, that right action with him. That's, that's part of righteousness. We read in the Bible that part of righteousness is being right with God and right with others. Did you notice what the breastplate of righteousness covers? The breastplate of righteousness uh, protects me by covering my heart. I'm protected from Satan's attack. And remember that we're talking about a breastplate that is covering this whole area, all the vital organs. It protects our heart. It protects our spiritual heart, protected from Satan, Satan's attacks. And I focus on this re relationship that I have with God and the relationship that I have with others. Jesus put it this way, love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. The righteousness that God has provided for us is credited to your spiritual account with God and it gives you a, the ability to have strength and empowerment in your battles. You can't do it alone. God gives us the strength. I'm about to get blessed. I don't know how. <laughs> See, that's what, that's what protects us. That's, that's what it means is that Satan is trying to mess you up, to mess up your relationship with God, to mess up your relationship with other people. You see, you might say, well, he's not really tempting me right now, but look at what he's trying to do to your marriage. Look at what's happening with your kids. You know, he finds all the different schemes to try to bring, because righteousness is connected to both of those. God has chosen you as a, to be the righteous man of God, to be the righteous woman of God. He has credited it to you. So how do you, how do you wear righteousness? What, what does it look like? Well, I'll give you a, a warning and a guide about that. The warning the Bible gives over and over again is to don't try to make your own righteousness. Don't try to make your own righteousness. Trying to make your own righteousness is like, um, it's try, it's like trying to cut your own hair. You're going to come up short somewhere. Right? Paul says, I tried that. Philippians 3 says, I'm the best Hebrew. I'm the best Pharisee. I kept every law in the book perfectly. I did all that and it wasn't enough. As a matter of fact, he called it garbage. 
said, I'm going to lay that aside and recognize that I got to find new righteousness. It's not in the list, not in keeping, uh, uh, keeping all the rules. The righteousness that comes from God is on the basis of faith in God, not me accomplishing it myself, but my faith in Christ. So how do you wear it? The guide is you have to hunger and thirst for it. Hunger and thirst for it. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Jesus said, you got to hunger and thirst for it. You know, Satan tries to thwart all that. See, what he wants you to do is not hunger and thirst for righteousness, but take on a lesser things in your life. It's sort of like on the way to a nice restaurant that you stop and get two Big Macs on the way. That's ridiculous, isn't it? That's not hungering and thirsting for what might be the best. That's what Satan tries to do. I mean, if you want a better relationship with God, hunger and thirst for righteousness. If you want to be satisfied and fulfilled, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Continue to pray about those things that you are focused on, that you're seeking, developing a hunger and a thirst. It means having a focus on the things of God. What does God desire for me? What does he want? What is my focus on? And we move toward righteousness as we focus on him. It's the breastplate of righteousness that he has for us. Number three. Three is the armor piece that is the shoes of the gospel of peace. Now, he, some of the translation mentions shoes. He mentions here feet that are, that are shod for the gospel of peace. Uh, what he's trying to say here, he's, he's talking about not, not peace with nations. He's talking about peace between man and God, peace of mind, peace of heart. It's a, the good news that he has for us. And he's reminding you, that you got to have on the right shoes. Do you know, you've been to a shoe store lately? Man, they got shoes for everything, don't they? Shoes for hiking, shoes for playing basketball, shoes for, for this and that. I don't go to shoe stores because it costs, with my son, it costs me way too much money. Man, they got to have the right shoes. Um, you got to have the right shoes that help you to be at peace. You know, when you're in a battle, a lot of times you feel chaotic. You, you feel confused. You might feel mad. You're frustrated with somebody. What he's saying to you is get your feet set. Get your feet settled on the gospel of peace. You know, you can win the battle if you'll let him give you peace. That ever happened to you? Where you just know that you just can't, you, they can't even live with you, man. You just, you're up and down and you're struggling and you're complaining and you're angry and all this stuff is going on. But if you let God get you to a place of peace, he'll help you figure that out. He'll help solve that. You, you just can't have your feet dancing all around doing everything you want to do. You've got to have the gospel of peace. Here's the key point about the, the shoes. This, when, we, when our feet are shod and planted in his peace, we can stand firm against the greatest assaults of the enemy. Remember, the goal was to be able to stand firm. Not to run faster, not to, to do in our own strength, but to recognize that he is helping us to have peace in, in how we stand. One more. Number four. The armor piece number four is the shield of faith. What is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 says the conviction of things that aren't seen in our lives, that we're convinced that even though we don't see it, we trust in it. It's trusting God above all, for all else. That's what faith is. It's trusting God above all else. 
I mean, the opposite of faith is not trusting in God. So usually our problem is that we're trying to trust someone, maybe even ourselves, or to trust something. It's like trusting ourselves just gets us in trouble. We are called to, to, wear, uh, to carry the shield of faith, trusting God above all else. That's so important, um, the, this, this shield of faith. How does it help us? How does it protect us? Well, the Bible says it extinguishes Satan's darts or arrows. Here, here's the background of that. Um, the Roman soldier would have two different um, shields that he might use. One would be smaller that he could use in a hand-to-hand -hand fight with someone with a sword. It would be a metal uh, shield that he would be able to block uh, those attacks that came against him. Then this breastplate that we're talking about, though, is a large wood piece that would go down in front. If you ever seen those old scenes of battles like that, uh, they would, uh, the enemy would take an arrow and dip it in some kind of igniter fluid and uh, light it and send that burning arrow over uh, to the other side. The, those that are standing there are standing there. They're not holding up that metal shield because if a flaming arrow came and hit that metal shield, you know what would happen? It would hit the ground. And they're usually out in a field or some wood somewhere where the battle was taking place. And you know what's going to happen? It didn't kill them, but it started a fire right at their feet from that flaming arrow. So they didn't use those kind of, they, they had a protection that would protect their, protect their heart, protect their organs, but also that that arrow would stick in that wood. Then they could pull it out stamp out the fire and there would be no attack. They didn't get killed by the arrow and they didn't get uh, consumed uh, by the fi fire. That's a pretty good perspective. Not only that, these breastplates could usually be hooked together. They would be hooked together where they could be, they could be able to stand together. So these were shields that were to help them in the battle. You know, when we focus on the shield, we are focusing on God's faithfulness to us. How do I put it on? I, I focus on the faithfulness of God, that he is with us, that Satan is not going to be able to depress me or put me down. Our focus is on God and his greatness and his faithfulness and how faithful he is to all of us. He is faithful to his promises. You believe that? God is faithful to you. God is faithful to us. God is faithful to be patient with us. God is faithful in his love. He fills us with faith. A picture of that in the Bible is Peter. Remember when Peter sees Jesus coming, walking on the water, and Jesus challenges him to get out of the boat and walk on the water with him. When Peter was focused on Jesus, when he was focused on Jesus' faithfulness and the power of Christ, he was able to do the incredible and to walk on the water. But when he tried to focus on the circumstances, focus on the things that were going on around him, wondered what all his people around him were thinking. If he was looking at all that, he began to sink. You and I in our everyday lives, if we're going to have faith, we have to focus on God's faithfulness, that shield that extinguishes those darts. What do we have here today? Uh, we have the four of these seven uh, pieces of the armor that we're going to look at together. But what, what's happening here? What's happening here is that God is saying to you, I have tools. I have resources. I can help you. You know, he knows exactly what you're dealing with, and he knows how to help you. He has resources that are available. Even if you've been wandering in your own strength, 
Come on back. Come back to Christ because he has a strategy. He has help for you. He will help you to be able to accomplish what he desires for you. You can do it. You can do it. You can live for God. You can honor him. You don't have to keep going down that sinful path or letting those things that the devil is putting in your heart and mind. You can find your way and you can walk. You can do it. God is helping you. God will not leave you to your own strength, to your own struggles. He will be with you. So please, please don't give up. He's our hope. He's our resource. He's our strategy. He's the one that can help us believe it, trust in it, know it. When you're down, when you're discouraged, I don't know, I don't know who's in this room right now. Maybe you're here, and maybe you're wondering if you can even live, live it out. Trust in God. Trust in him. He has resources. He has tools. He has a strategy for do you live out and to be a man, a woman of faith. If you're at home today, I just want to encourage you. Don't give up. Trust in him. Whatever's happening, God is faithful. And he is giving you tools and resources to be able to deal with the valleys and the battles that you deal with. You will not fail. He will not fail. He will be with you. I get so discouraged sometimes when I hear about um, young people taking their life adults in our, in our area, people that felt like they just couldn't go on. I just want to tell you, no matter what you deal with, no matter how hard it gets, Jesus will be with you. Do not let the devil trick you that he's got you. He does not have you. If you're a believer, he, he's, your, he's your commander. He's your champion. Jesus is like the general that is saying, don't forget all the resources that you have. Don't forget the armor that you can put on. Don't go out into the battle like, you can, like you're naked or like you're just fighting on your own strength. Go in the power and the strength and the armor of God. Put on the armor of God. Jesus just to stand here in the middle of this passage of scripture is awesome for us. What a truth you have given to us. But Lord, the devil wants us to think that we can't make it, that we can't do it on our own, that things are too bad, too hard, too challenging. But Lord, we stand against the lies of the enemy today that tries to trick us, deceive us, cause us, to make choices, cause us to avoid the revealed truth. Yep, the bridge is out. Don't go that way. Don't live that. Don't, don't make that choice. Don't say that. Don't act that way. Today, Lord, we ask that you would help us to hear what you say. Help us to put on the armor, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, and the shield of faith. I know you want to protect me. You want to protect all the people that are in this room today. You want to protect all those that are watching or will be watching this service. Today, Lord, we stand in the recognition that you are in the battle with us. Battles come and go, but the victory is possible.
Help us every day to put on the armor of God. We pray, Lord, that you would help us in every battle. Help us to trust you above all else. In Jesus' name, at home or here, everybody say together, amen. Praise God.